0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Prairie Unitarian Universalist Society. My name is Ann Pryor. I have been connected to Prairie since 1988, first as Director of Religious Education, and then as a member. And, uh, opening welcoming words. Welcome to this morning, this day, and this opportunity to be together in community, which is a time of joy, comfort, and sometimes challenge. This Unitarian Universalist congregation is a place where we come together to learn more about being human. We're not here because we've figured out life's questions or because we think we've got it right. We come here to learn more about being in relationship together, how to listen, how to forgive, how to be vulnerable, and how to create trust and compassion in one another. Our presentation today is Searching for a Bird and Finding the Interdependent Web by Ann Pryor. Ann Pryor first connected with Prairie UU Society in 1988 when hired as DRE. Her daughters, Erin and, is it Alana, Alana, I don't wanna mispronounce it, grew up in Prairie. She served as DRE for six years, leaving to do her dissertation research. She became a member of Prairie in 1995 and currently serves on the Committee on Ministry. Professionally she's a folklorist Recre- recreationally she's a curler. Thank you. So, searching for a bird and finding the interdependent web. It was easy to connect uh, the topic of this topic of a trip to the Falkland Islands to our seventh principle. Um, which is there, um, which the Reverend Forrest Gilmore describes as, quote, our Unitarian Universalist way of coming to fully embrace something greater than ourselves, end quote. Getting out of our own domestic space can be one path toward finding that something greater. Next slide. I recently listened to the 2016 book by Paul Thoreau, Deep South, a travel memoir about a, trip, a road trip he took through the southern United States. He included a reflection on why one would travel at all. Several of his ideas rang true for me. I was traveling for my usual reasons, out of restlessness and curiosity, to look at places that were new to me. We travel for pleasure, for a door slamming sense of I'm out of here, for a change of air, for edification, for the big vulgar boast of being distant for the possibility of being transformed, for the voyeuristic romance of gawping at the exotic. Just about a year ago, my daughter Alana and I did indeed travel. She turned 40 that February, and many months earlier, we had offered her a trip for her birthday. She chose a place that was completely outside my imagination, the Falkland Islands. Why go there? What was there? Where is there? I ended up finding out since through a series of changing circumstances, I ended up as her travel buddy and for that I am deeply grateful. Riffing off Thoreau's ideas on travel, the Falklands turned out to be a place that was entirely new to me, in which I found both pleasure and edification, a place that was extremely distant and was indeed both exotic and transformative. Slide. So why did Alana choose the Falklands? Because of another book and its subject, the striated Karakara. The book is A Most Remarkable Creature, written by Jonathan Meeberg, published in 2022. It's wonderfully written and presents the Karakara as a super smart trickster, a curious and fearless bird, yet one reviled and disparaged for generations, just the kind of pedigree that would appeal to Alana. So without nearly enough lead time to do stress-free planning of what was a complicated trip, we worked it out and then successfully ed- executed this intricate and entirely terrific adventure. So a quick review of the Falklands. Slide. It is an archipelago in the South Atlantic consisting of two main islands, East and West Falkland, and it has 778 smaller islands with a total landmass about the size of New York State. The Falklands are about 400 miles east of South American mainland and about 850 miles north of the Antarctic Circle. Biogeographically, its flora and fauna are part of the Antarctic zone, similar to Patagonia. It is a self-governing British overseas territory, relying on Great Britain for foreign affairs and defense, but otherwise self-governing. Its economy is based primarily on fishing, farming, ranching, and tourism, and has almost 0% unemployment of its population of 3,200. First recorded sighting was in 1592. First recorded landing was about a century later in 1690, both by English ships. The islands were uninhabited until 1765 when a British garrison established a presence. Social ties with England continue to be very strong. In the winter, many residents leave the Falklands for a summer in England. When youths turn 16, they are funded by the government to continue their education abroad. Most go to England to study and then most, some return to live and work on the islands. There are also some significant immigrant groups, primarily 10% from St. Helena, another British-y, British overseas territory and small isolated island, and then 6% from Chile. So next slide. Um, Argentina has claimed Las Islas Malvinas since 1832, but have been unsuccessful in wresting it from Great Britain. In 1982, um, Argentina invaded and took possession of the islands for about two months. British forces fought them off, and the presence of that war is still very visible and very meaningful on the islands. This was uh, in Stanley in the Capitol, um, and a quote by Maggie Thatcher that I actually agree with. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They are few in number, but they have the right to live in peace, to choose their own way of life, and to determine their own allegiance. Next slide. This is another memorial also in Stanley, the Capitol. And then next slide, this way on top of that, that Bluff is another memorial, and it has very personalized mementos still being added to it. That's on Sea Lion Island, one of the outer islands. Okay, so next slide. Getting to the Falklands is not easy. You can visit via a cruise ship if you're on your way to Antarctica, or you can fly for 18 hours on a military transport from England, stopping in Cape Verde for refueling. Or, as we did, you can fly from Santiago, Chile, on the single weekly flight available. You go in on a Saturday and come out on a Saturday. Um, Notice there are no available flights from Argentina, the actual closest country, right? And the the flights from Sao Paulo do no longer exist, so it's only from Santiago or from England. The flight from, uh, oh, you make a short stop in Punta Arenas, um, and so if you're in the Falklands, you're there for full week blocks out of time. If I were to do it again, I would definitely go for more than one week. Okay, next slide. The best time to visit is November through February, which is their summer and early fall, and that's because the weather is better, animal activity is higher, and lodging is available. Things shut down over the winter. We were pushing it a bit by um, going end of February and beginning of March. This is our itinerary and the islands we visited while we were there. Our priority was seeing the striated Caracara, so that partly um, influenced our itinerary. So we flew from Punta Arenas into um, uh, Mount Pleasant, which is the military airport. If you're going in or out of the Falklands, you start there. And then you bus into Stanley, the capital. We spent one night there and then flew out the next morning down here to Sea Lion Island. We spent two nights there, saw sea lions and lots of other things. Um, Then, uh, and that's on an internal airline called FIGAS, um, Falkland Island General Aviation Services, okay? And uh, every time, you have to fly back to Stanley uh, before you go to another island, so we did that. Then went way up there in the northwest to Carcass Island. We had to stop first in Fox Bay to drop off some military folks, and their luggage didn't get it because these planes are tiny and the weight is very restricted. So maybe they'd get their luggage the next day or the next day. <laughs> um, then we flew to um, Hill Point um, in order to drop off a tire for a tractor that was needed there. And then we went to Carcass. The next day we took a boat um, over to West Point Island to see an albatross recovery went back on the boat um, to Carcass, and then flew to Stanley. Then over land, from Stanley, we went up to Volunteer Point up there on the northeast, and part of that was by paved road, most of that was over grassy tussocks um, in a Land Rover. Um, So, adventurous. Um, Next slide. Oh, and this is the the Fegas plane, and this is interior, this is the pilot. So it's really small and tight. Um, But that's the kind of view you would get flying to the outer islands. Okay, next one. Oh, and this, they, um, what's really interesting is that FIGAS creates the daily schedule every day based on the needs of the people. So we are not adjusting to an airline schedule. They are adjusting to who needs to go where, when. It was amazingly humane. (laughs) Um, okay, next one. So Stanley, the capital, is a small quaint harbor town. Um, and next slide. It's linked to its heritage as a sailing outpost is evident on the hills across the bay. You can see part of the um, words there for uh, Beagle and Protector, two ships that had um, visited there. As Jonathan Meeberg recounts in A Most Remarkable Creature, and I'm gonna read about three uh, paragraphs here. Darwin's five-year journey on the Beagle took him to the Falklands, which he found desolate and wretched. They made him long for the tropics. He wrote to his sister, quote, I can very plainly see there will not be much pleasure or contentment till we get out of these detestable latitudes and are carrying on all sail to the land where bananas grow, end quote. But one thing that left him in awe was the extraordinary tameness of the wildlife, including geese, snipe, foxes, and waras, which are now extinct. Um, Next slide. He was also impressed by a bird unlike anything he had known in England, a bird he devoted more words to in his book The Voyage of the Beagle than to any other bird, something that looked like a blend between a hawk and a raven, it was outrageously curious, agile, and in his words, mischievous. He wrote, a large black glazed hat was carried nearly a mile, as was a pair of the heavy balls used in catching cattle, and a small cater's compass in a red Morocco leather case, which was never recovered. Sailors on the Beagle's sister ship, the Adventure, told stories of, quote, the boldness and rapacity of these birds, end quote. A sealer wrote, quote, the sailors who visit these islands, being often much vexed at their predatory tricks, have bestowed different names upon them, characteristic of their nature, as flying monkeys, flying devils, etc." All right, so that's the end from, of the quotes there. The most common nickname for the bird now in the Falklands is Johnny Rook. There are no Johnny Rooks on the two main islands. We had to wait until we were on the outer islands to meet them, but we did not have to wait long. After checking into Sea Lion Lodge on Sea Lion Island, we looked out our window and could see a colony of Gentoo penguins, so we bundled back up against the wind and the cold, and off we went. Next. This is what we found, (laughs) molting penguins. so uh, molting occurs after the breeding season. All of those white spots on the ground are discarded old feathers. Um, the rest of the colony was down at the water or traveling in between. Next slide. Aww. Yeah, they just walked down the path. They're on penguin business. Um, but within minutes, a Johnny Rook joined us. So next slide. Um, this car wanted to interact. Um, it was. It was there to meet us and find out what it could find out. OK, next slide. So these quotes are from the Most Remarkable Creature book. They are, the most, uh, they are the southernmost birds of prey on Earth and among the rarest. No more than a few thousand are left, a number only slightly larger than the wild population of giant pandas. Slide. But. If you visit them, they refuse to behave like a species on the verge of extinction. They'll pluck the cap from your head, tug at the zippers on your backpack, and meet your eye with a forthright impish gaze. Okay, next slide. Alana did try to tempt them to do any of those things, so she brought a red hat that she tried to um, get them to to play with or take off, and here this one is, Uh, Playing with her shoelaces Um, I tried to protect my kite tails from it, but I let one play with my backpack Um, It did not carry it off though. Okay, next slide When I first saw them running toward me at full tilt, I felt a shiver of cognitive dissonance Aren't wild animals supposed to run away? (laughs) (laughs) So this is the the um, Alana's having fun here. I mean, she's delighted that this bird is so interactive. But this bird is after her. You know, like. Okay, next one. All right. So the the car car we met wanted to interact, and they did interact in their own birdy way. The penguins, not so much. They just did their penguin things and tolerated our presence. So next slide. Um, whether taking care of their eggs, these are the king um, penguins up at Volunteer Point, or their young. Next slide. Uh, Surfing or doing amazing diving, swimming in the water, these were um, the Gentoo penguins. Next. Uh, Sea lion, hanging out with the penguin. The penguin doesn't seem to mind it, but it sure could be lunch for the sea lion. Um, Next. Um, So the, the parents will go down, get food, come back, regurgitate it up for the youth. And that's a youthful um, caracara in the back and two tussock birds. If anything falls out, they are going to jump on it and get it. Okay, next. Um, Airing of discontents. (laughs) Airing of grievances. (laughs) This was a rock hopper. Made a lot of noise. Um, I think. Oh, and they leave little penguin, penguin footprints in the sand. It's really adorable. Okay, I think next, one more. Oh yeah. So we were there for the striated caracara, but everything's about penguins. Penguin playing cards, uh, penguin jokes on the candy. What type of pasta do penguins eat? Penguini? <laughs> uh, or rockhopper uh pale ale beer. So it's all about it's all about the pe- Oh, and my penguin shirt. You know, so. Okay. All right. So next, but the caracara. Okay? Striated Caracaras seem disarmingly conscious, and they prod at the turf with their bills and feet and um, crane their necks to peer at everything with a keen but slightly dubious interest, as if they've just emerged from the Ark and wonder what else the world might have to offer. It seemed like if we could just get past that interspecies communication barrier, we could have had one heck of an interesting conversation with these birds. It would have been really great. <laughs> so um, let me see. So uh, again, we were most fascinated by the caracara, and it's, Alana sucked me in. She started this path and I happily followed her. And then of course the penguins were charming. We did also experience some other animals there. We'll just go through about uh, five slides here. Um, sea lions, these are youths uh, playing in the water. Um, elephant seals. And again, if you look closely, there's going to be often a karakara in the photo. Um, and and there's no boundaries. You are free to walk anywhere on these outer islands. Um, elephant, uh, I mean, sea elephants. Um, elephant seals also um, lying there, super quiet, and then raising and yelling. Sheep. Um, on some of the islands, they are protected, and they are being um, curated back to pre-ranching, and then others still have uh, sheep being um, ranched on them. Okay, next one. Uh, all kinds of amazing birds. Um, that's a, a cormorant colony on the, on the rocks, beautiful geese, heron. Uh, next one. This is a, a close-up of the cormorants, and they blend in with the rock hoppers, really, beautifully okay next um oyster catcher yeah beautiful ducks i think one more oh and this is when we went to west point um island to hike over the saddle and then see the albatross rookery so there were hundreds and hundreds of adult albatross and babies and that thing that the um Albatross is sitting on is its nest. They create it like out of mud and and, um, uh, poop and stuff. Okay. All right. Um, Being in the Falkland outer islands helped me to meet the imperative laid down by Henry David Thoreau in Walden, quote, we need the tonic of wildness. We must be refreshed by the sight of inexhaustible vigor, vast and titanic features, the seacoast with its wrecks, the wilderness with its living and its decaying trees, the thundercloud and the rain which lasts three weeks. We need to witness our own limits transgressed. End quote. Uh, next one. Um, and indeed, uh, we transgressed our own limits on this trip. Um, But with that exhilaration also came sobriety. Our being outnumbered by and perceived as non-threatening to all of these amazing animals was such a stark contrast with the reality of the rest of the planet, where the anthropomorphic scene era is in full tilt, that new geological epoch defined by humans and all the choices that they make with humans as priority. On the outer Falkland Islands, the animals seemed to dominate, inviting us to remember a past era when species' rise and fall was at a steady pace, not at the accelerated rate we are experiencing today. The Falklands brought me one step closer to experiencing a time when passenger pigeons might have flooded the skies or the bison the plains of North America, for example. Next. As E.O. Wilson wrote, quote, Look closely at nature. Every species is a masterpiece, exquisitely adapted to the particular environment in which it has survived. Who are we to destroy or even diminish biodiversity?" End quote. Um, So I say kudos to all of those in the Falklands who are working to return the islands to their pre-inhabited habitat for the sake of the other beings who thrive in that environment. And may we all do the same here at home in Wisconsin. And I think I had one more slide, Harlan. Just to Oh yeah. Ta-da! <laughs> me and me and the Karakara. All right, so now discussion. Uh Figas really seemed to be the commuter train for the residents on the island. Um, What struck me there, and it's similar, uh, I experienced it in Kodiak, Alaska, island culture, where you are so dependent on each other and your resources are very limited by what you can access and sharing and making do and figuring out and rescheduling, it's all part of that um, living in that kind of environment and space and, and adjusting yourself to the environment, not the other way around. Um, One thing, I I had a slide in there, and I didn't end up using it, but we were in the furious 50s. Um, If you read books about sailing, you know, single-handed races around the horn, you know, people die right and left. And you saw how we were clothed. The wind was relentless, and this was summer. The Chileans who were there just laughed that this was summer. This is not summer. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, being in that really um, challenging environment... It's always cool. The I think everything's imported, and um, we did not see trees. There are some higher elevation places on East and West Falkland, the two larger islands, um, but I think everything's imported um, on you know via ship primarily, um, and I mean they. they why, when you're there you would never think that they this was an endangered species because they're everywhere and if you show up they show up um but i th- i think well because they were such pests the first settlers there and and the first farmers and ranchers eradicated them you know they tried to get rid of them because they would interfere with um animals and and raising anything so and, and I think the, the fellow who ran the lodge, the eco-lodge on um, the uh, protected island, Sea Lion Island, I think he was telling us stories about, even when he was a kid, how there was still a bounty for the Johnny Rooks. Um, so it is through eradication, but I don't know why they wouldn't fly over. They certainly would be capable. They're, they're, they're falcons. They're strong flyers. They're large and, and you know strong. Um, I, I don't know why this came to mind. Um, one of the, the really lovely stories that we heard was of a uh, tour ship that arrived, and they had to come by the Zodiac um, boats from the ship, To shore. Uh, When it was time for folks to go back, the weather had had changed. Something happened. A bunch of people went into the sea. So all these locals, um, and then others couldn't return. So all these locals helped rescue them, and then they put them up. Um, And it sounded so much like what had happened in in that fabulous play, Come From Away, how... um, The folks up in Nova Scotia just opened their homes to people stranded by 9-11 and those flights. And that's what, I'm getting chill. Again, you know, it's that island culture. It's like, we have to help because there's nobody else who can help. So um, they, they found places for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people to stay. So that was a really inspiring story that I enjoyed.